0: I think that there is going to be a dramatic increase in competition in financial services over the next five to ten years, Um, but that, that, that it's going to come largely from outside of who we are today considering to be competitors.
1: Miley Carnegie, you'll remember, is the Group Executive Digital Banking at ANZ. A former Google executive, she's been with the bank around 14 months and she's leading ANZ's efforts to keep pace with the digital revolution.
0: My assumption is that, you know, we are going to see some competition from fintechs. I mean, but, but actually, that's not really where I see the big competition coming. I think the big competition is going to come from the tech giants, um, the existing tech giants. Uh, they're going to come from the Amazon, the Alibabas, the Googles, the Facebooks, all those guys. And, you know, you look at some of the patents that Facebook are, are putting in, you hear rumblings that, you know, Amazon has got an RFP out in the US for- RFP? Pe- um, a request for for, for, peeps, for services, mm. um, for banking services, right? So um, so you're seeing these large tech tech companies wanting to move into financial services and one of the reasons that I'm so obsessive about us needing to focus on our the customer and the cust- and really having winning customer propositions is because that is the formula that is going to allow those tech companies to win because they're not going to be looking at getting into financial services through a banking lens, through, a, through an old heuristic lens. They're going to identify a customer pain point and be very focused on what the customer is telling them and they're going to solve for that and it's just going to happen to be a financial services product.
1: How is ANZ placed, do you think, at the moment in in this whole game? And I guess, are you? Do you feel like you're trying to the banks playing catch up, and, yeah. and you're the one trying to drive them toward it?
0: Uh, so, I guess a couple of things. The first one is is that you know, while um, while I don't mind a bit of pain, uh, I wouldn't have joined the bank if I didn't think that we had a good swinging chance, right? So, I'm here because I both am passionate about and I'm optimistic that we are going to have a wonderful and successful future. So. Um, That said, we are absolutely playing catch up, right? We, um, you know, and I I don't even, you know, at some level, I kind of refuse to look at the other banks because as soon as I start to benchmark us there, then we start becoming them. And again, if you really need to to focus on on the real competition, which for me is any friction in. The, in the customer's experience, that's the competition because someone will figure out how to solve for it. So again, rather than define it as we're behind versus versus the banks or define versus the, the tech giants, even that's where, even though that's where I think the competition is going to come, what we're really behind in is meeting our customers' expectations. And whenever you're sitting on a large profit pool of unhappy customers, then you are behind.
1: You're talking about the the customer experience. And again, this morning I had the pleasure of, of, of hanging out in one of the branches. And um, I accept that it's not necessarily a representative set of people to be talking to. Yeah. Uh, but a number of them said, you know, they, they like online banking. Yeah. Um, they hadn't heard about voice ID, they don't yeah. care about like banking with their Fitbit. Yeah. They were really worried about standing in a line and not having somebody to talk to. Yeah. I spoke with somebody who'd been banking with ANZ for 35 years and yeah. um yeah. I mean, his takeaway was uh, like, I feel less important now than ever, than ever. even though there's these great tools and it's great yep. that they're there. Um, yep. Is there a tension between, I guess, yeah, keeping boots on the ground and also innovating digitally? And yep. are you getting the balance right now?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think there's two two ways I, I, I think about that. The first one is that we need to get out of the habit of thinking about our customers as one kind of cluster. It's almost like, you know, we know when you watch like five-year-olds play soccer, they basically form a scrum and basically just all follow the ball right so it feels like we think about our customers is this kind of scrum of people who all think the same way right and we need to start being much more sophisticated in our in our segmentation understanding of our customer base and acknowledge that you know what we are going to have a particular archetype of customer or profile of customer who all they want to do is interact online. They would rather have a tooth pulled than have to go into a branch. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's going to be customers like the one, some of the ones you talked about who they love going into the branch and that's really important to them. And then there's going to be all sorts of people in the middle. And we are going to have to both make sure that we're crystal clear on on you know understanding those different segments and make sure that we're really clear on how we're going to meet their needs. Um, so that would be the the first thing. Rather again, rather than thinking about them as as one blanket group. But I think honestly, absolutely, we've got tension in how you manage both of those things. And um, I think we've got a particular amount of tension at the moment because I, I think we've you know we have got a lot of um, of tech deficit um and i think if you were in branch land you'd say you know infrastructure deficit um in both our physical and our digital assets so we've just got a lot of work to do and so there's many mouths to feed with a with a finite budget and so there's always going to be that that tension um if, if, if everyone walks away equally unhappy, right, or equally happy, right, then, you know, we've done, been, an excellent job. we've done an excellent job. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, no one's going to get everything they want, right, sure. and we're just going to have to make, make some tough choices.
1: Mm. Um, I know that you're a big fan of data as, yeah. as a driver for making mm-hmm. decisions. Um, how's, how's data playing into your decision making in terms of these sort of questions?
0: Yeah, uh, well, the first thing, thing uh, for me when i came in was just making sure that shane and Exco that we were aligned or we weren't and we ended up being aligned that data was you know a very core both asset we needed to build and a capability we needed to drive and um and i think about those two as it being both it's one of the few things which is both an asset and a a capability right so uh and you know, we need to strengthen both of them. We need to make sure the asset we have around data, so that's the the quality of the data itself, the quality of the kit we have um, to manage our data, that all of that is the strongest, sexiest, best asset that we can. And then we also, on the other side of the coin, need to make sure... That as an organisation, we have the capabilities or the skills to then use it to drive value. And we have a ways to go on both of those. Um, uh, but we, you know, we're, we're, we're moving at pace. Um, I feel really good about the progress we're making. I think one of the, the best decisions that Emma Gray, our relatively new um, chief data officer, made was to anchor the work in really tangible use cases for how to how we can use our data asset and our data capability to drive value for customers. And so I think well, I'm hopeful that that is bringing the organisation along on the journey. So rather than going off and saying, hey, guys, I'll be gone for a year and when I come back, there's going to be the, all this shiny, sexy stuff. So just like hang with me. Rather than do that, she's very consciously said, okay, we are going to kind of Work with the business to so that what we build is useful today, mm. and uh, so I'm feeling I'm feeling good about that. But again, still a long way to go.
1: And the more data you get, the the more security becomes an issue as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is it just a matter of time though before there's a big data breach? And does that keep you up at night?
0: So data breaches, it is absolutely something that we um, that keeps me up at night, um, and I think. The reason it's it, it keeps you up at night is because it's such a movable feast, right? It's 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 like, you know, and it's an unfortunate analogy, but nuclear warfare, right? Because it's like, you know, you, you think you're safe, but you then the hackers will, you know, get a step ahead. Of you. So you're constantly having to try and preempt where you think they're gonna they're gonna go. So um, so yeah, it does it's 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 a very nervous area i think for everybody and you we need to take it very seriously and you know so far so good so far so good Good, that's as good as it gets (laughs) i think you know but i think if you're not paranoid if you sit here and you start feeling and acting complacent Mm. that's probably when you're going to start having problems so Mm. it's actually probably healthy for for people and healthy for me to actually be slightly paranoid about it Mm.
1: And I guess in the scale of things, so far, so good is, is not a bad track record. Yeah, that's right. You know, like, that's yeah, right. Other people who have so far, so not so good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, I mean, We've only got a few more minutes of your time yeah. left, but I thought I'd chuck a quick question in about cryptocurrencies yep. and where they're going to fit in. I yep. saw today that uh, Bitcoin is just under $5,500, yeah, which has made a few mm. people very wealthy. Yes. Um, so this was recorded a couple of weeks ago, and Bitcoin today is at $7,700. It went briefly up to nine thousand seven hundred in the interim as well. I have no idea where it'll be by the time you're listening to this. But yeah, do you see? I mean, do you see it as a threat or an opportunity for traditional banking? And yeah, what's ANZ's strategy here?
0: Yeah, so um, so again, cryptocurrencies are just as you, as I'm sure you're aware, are a particular application of distributed ledger, right? So I am incredibly bullish over the transformative potential of distributed ledger and, and 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 transformative in the relative short term so we're talking 12 18 24 months I can imagine applications that would drive an extraordinary amount of customer value um, either customer value because it is radically simplifying processes it's it's radically improving Um, you know fraud issue I mean so I can absolutely see wonderful um, you know distributed ledger uh, applications that we're working on right so we've got a couple that we're actively in in pilot of and we've got some proof of concepts and um, we had a innovation council meeting where we continued we agreed to continue going with them so we're actively working in in the distributed ledger space Um, the cryptocurrencies that's one where Yes, it will be transformative. Um, if I'm honest with you, I am surprised at the degree of traction cryptocurrencies have had. I
1: think everybody is right? at the moment.
0: Um, and, and for me, actually, it's less the valuation. The thing, if you said to me, what was the moment that kind of made me raise my head and go, what? <laughs> it was when Japan, right, who are an incredibly conservative um Country, particularly around financial services, when when they basically said that they were going to endorse and you know um, cryptocurrencies, that's when I was like, "Holy smokes, mm. this is this is moving faster than than I was assuming." Um, so I think both the you know the you know the within known actors, distributed ledger kind of cap- um, things are going to be transformative, not just for financial services but in general uh and that's where we're spending most of our time at the moment if i'm frank we need to put some energy against cryptocurrencies because again if i was being transparent i we i don't feel like we've got a really clear strategy yet on the cryptocurrency application we have a much clearer strategy on the distributed ledger
1: mm-hmm. is there a danger we're missing the boat with cryptocurrency though
0: So we we have to get one. So my, my point is not that we don't have one and we're happy with that. My point is we don't have one and we likely need one.